The mules are in the corral. Welcome to Mule Talk, and I'm Cindy K. Roberts, your host. On this episode of Mule Talk, we have a mule trainer from Waddell, Arizona. He's a contributor to Mules and More magazine, and he's from the Rockin' NT Ranch. He needs no introduction. Nathan Medcalf. Nate, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I had a lot of fun last week. Yeah. I'm going to do it again this week. Thank Good. You. Um, you know, when we were talking, we both realized that there are still a lot of myths out there about the mule and the donkey that are still circulating. So right. anyway, so that's why I'm so happy that you're going to be able to um, explain and dispel all these these myths. And um, so let's get started. What myth? What is one of the most irritating ones that that you would like to explain? <laughs> um. Well, when we were when we were talking last week, um, I think I gave you a couple of options um, on one of them, and I think I think one of them was the whole deal about mules hating round pens. Um, and we also talked about a little about mules and, and riding in arenas and, and they don't like that type of work. So I think, I think I want to kind of start off on those. Okay, um, good. Yeah. What about the round pin one? I've, I've heard that you supposedly you cannot round pin a mule. So yeah. And, and I, I hear and see that a lot. Um, I think if you look at it from, from the aspect of, you know, uh, a round pin or um, an arena, uh, anything like that, it, it, it's a tool. Um, and you kind of got to look at it like that. You know, your like your halter is a tool, your, your bit is a tool, spurs if you wear them. Um, and those two, they, they can be used incorrectly, right? And right. so um, whether the mule is in the arena round pin doesn't matter. I think that mule is going to react to how you're making it feel. Um, regardless if you're in a round pin or not. And, you know, it, you get to a point where you're either, you're either making that mule feel comfortable or uncomfortable in what you're doing. And that mule is going to react to either situation in a positive or negative way. And when I see people that do have problems, um, uh, in a round pin, um, that that skill itself is it, not something that you know. Okay, well, yeah, I'm going to take this mule. I'm going to take it around there. I'm going to start making it do all kinds of things. Um, I think what I see transpires in those situations has more so to do with the person in the round pin than it does the mule. And I, I, and I don't mean that in a bad way um, at all. And what usually happens is, is that you have a mule that already has, let's say, anxiety or the mule already has some sort of fear going on or something mentally going on when they get in there. And the first initial thought is, okay, I got to get to that mule speed. And they start putting a lot of pressure on that mule to get them to move. And I think that's where the problem lies. And I think that, you know, by, by adding pressure to a mule that's already feeling pressured doesn't do a whole lot except increase what the mule is feeling already, if that makes sense. Yes, it so, does. I mean, yeah, you do want to get to the feet, but you have to get to the mind first, and, and you got to get your mule focused and relaxed. And I think that's kind of where we tend to lack in that area is our ability to read that animal when we work with them. And, and coming from that mule's perspective, so, I mean, 
you know, to a mule, pressure is pressure. Whether it's in the form of you waving a rope, a flag, or applying more pressure with just your body, you know, like going towards their hip as they're moving around that pin, they see and feel that pressure the same way. And, and if you miss that initial read that the mule is anxious or has something else mentally going on, and you keep applying more pressure thinking it's going to solve that problem, chances are good that everything you're doing at that time is going to fall apart. Right. And, I, and I see, and I see that's where a lot of struggle lies. And, and so I tell people, you know, I think your best bet if you're in that situation, you know, is figure out what the cause of that behavior is. You know, you've got to work on that first. Then you can carry on with what you're wanting to teach that mule. Because, I mean, for me, it, the first two things I go for, I have to have focus and I have to have relaxation from that mule before I teach it something. And I think they have to get there mentally and physically in order for something to stick. So, and I, and I think that's why the round pin stuff falls apart. And I think that's why, you know, here's the, the saying, oh, they hate the round pin, you know. And it's like we talked last week, you know, I mean, that, that's putting something on a mule that they, that they really can't feel and hate. You know, I mean, so <clears throat> I think if we are having problems in there, um, you know, things are falling apart, you know, you get to a, a point where that mule hates it. You know, I think, I think you got to take a step back, reevaluate re how you yourself are presenting those, give your mule a little bit of breathing room. Um, you know, like I was, I was saying earlier, I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. I mean, you know, especially timing and feel and, and your body position and all that stuff. You know, that's something that to be successful in there, you have to learn yourself too, you know. Um, so I, I, I think it, it's kind of one of those deals that, again, with, with some more education, more conversations, I think I think that myth can go away. So. Yes, I do too. Now, you mentioned... I think this is often a term that's overused. If you can control the feet, um, can you elaborate on that? Um, yeah, there. I look at that a little differently, and I might be way off base if, <laughs> if I am. I, you know, it, it's what I believe. But um, I mean, I just don't think that should be the first thing to look at well, controlling the feet. No, because I mean, there's, there's, there's a. A saying somewhere out there, I don't know who to give credit to, the trainer of, of some sort back in the day that part of what they said was, you know, you got to get to the feet. But I think if you put that whole saying in perspective, it kind of went along the lines of you got to get to the mind to get to the right. hand. Yeah. You know, from from a mule's perspective, you know, they're, to me, they, they're going to go where their mind goes. Right. And, and, you know, I, I think that's why it's so important that you get that focus from them first and why you get the relaxation, because you're not going to get very far. You know, if you have a mule that's, that's high up on anxiety, looking around, um, trying to find his buddies, you know, or, or is constantly distracted by everything around him. And you're trying to, you know, go through that lesson and do that. That's why I say, you know, it, it's more important that, that, you get to their mind first and make sure they are focused on you. Yeah. And then you can work on, then you can work on getting, you know, it, it's like us. I mean, we're not really any different. You know, it's hard for us to learn if we're distracted. 
Um, it's hard for us to learn if we're stressed out or, you know, if, if we have all these other things that are bothering us while we're trying to learn something. And I don't view that any differently with these new pills. Okay. Uh, and, and, the, and the same thing carries over to the, to, to the arena work. Um, and, and in both places, um, whether it be round pin arena, um, people say, oh, you know, you can't do that. The mules are going to get bored. You know, they're going to do that. Um, they get bored with repetition, you know, and doing this and doing that. And I'm going to go out on a limb on this one. And I'm going to say that, you know, I think labeling boredom as something that's a, that's a harmful emotion related to training mules, I, I, I think it's time to look at that differently. The reason I say that, you know, and I'm not any different, as we were all learning all this stuff, you know, I, I think at some point in, in our lives, we've been told that, you know, hey, if your mule is bored, it's because you're not a creative drinker. Or, you know, and if you keep doing all this repetition with your mule, it's really bad because it leads to boredom. And in a sense that, you know, if we keep doing that, they're, they're going to be like a, like a mindless robot type of mule. But I think, I think that, that practicing stuff with your mule can lead to a lot of great things and, and especially being safe. Um, you know, we, we seem to think that, you know, that our mules need to be happy all the time. And, and if they're not, we're not doing our job as, as their leader. But I think these mules are a lot like children. You know, they, they need good discipline. Right? And I mean, I'm not talking discipline in a bad way, but they need to have that structured discipline and they need to have that focus as much as anyone. And I think their overall happiness in that, in those situations, I think that's a byproduct of, of you providing a balanced overall experience in there. And, you know, a board mule can be a very calm, safe mule. And that's kind of something that we desire. You know, we want them to be calm. We want them to be safe. Sure. And if you, yeah, I mean, if you look at them in their daily interactions, you know, they're, they're very content to sit around for most of the day and do nothing. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, why the assumption that they need constant variable stimulation that is, is I don't know that, yet, you know, and, and I feel that, you know, when a mule starts reacting, when you're, you know, practicing a concept over and over, I don't think it's because they're bored. I think they're, I think they're frustrated by the amount of effort required for the number of rewards that they're given. Yes, I agree. Right. Yep. And I think that's something people can easily adjust, you know, or on the other side of that, I think they're confused with the signal that they're getting reacting adversely, you know, but I don't think it's, it's because they're boredom. To say boredom is, is, you know, a byproduct of, of doing that stuff. I, I think it leads a person to overstimulate that mule and, and it causes frustration and confusion. I think they need that repetition, and but they need it to be simple, easy, and it needs to make sense. And switching from one concept to another so quickly, I think that that kind of creates a bit of that overstimulation. Yeah, yeah, I get that. What other myths would you like to talk about? Yeah, I, I think the other one I see a lot of um, big bits, you know. Big um, big bits meaning um, advanced. Yeah, big bits. Um, you know, you you see a lot of, of questions of hey, what what kind of bit do I need to get better control of my mule, or 
what bit do I need to stop my mule? Um, mm, right. Or what bit do I need to make my mule back up better? And uh, I, myself, I strongly feel that there's a lot more to that answer than just a bit. And I feel that there's a lot more that needs to be done as a mule rider and a mule owner that correlates to having better control of the animal that you ride. You know, unfortunately, what we do see a lot of is the use of bigger bits in hopes of, of getting more control on that mule. And, you know, again, through through education and, and thinking through these things, um, you know, I, I don't think that bit should be used to control everything that animal does. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, I think a bit's purpose, and, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> um, should be a, a communication aid to help your mule, you know, and... I think your ultimate goal should be to train your mule to the point that it can control itself without you having to continue to pull on it. Yes. I like to see them happy in the bridle. <laughs> if they're happy, they're going to be going along with what you want. So, yeah, you're good. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah no, and, and the, one of the, the big, bigger problems that we see uh, with the use of these larger bits is, is, is these mules, what ends up happening is they get so worried about how much bit is going to hit them and how often. And what that's doing is taking his mind off of what you're trying to get him to do in the first place. And so to ride that mule accurately and to the degree that makes them soft and, and obedient, you know, people have to learn and get educated about using things like an inside leg, an outside leg, you know, shifting your weight in, in the saddle to a specific seat bone. You know, inside rein to position the head and soften the jaw, <laughs> right, know, or right. outside rein following the rhythm. You know, those those are a few things. And and you know, the thing is, is that you know, with those bigger bits, it to me, it, it, it kind of boils down to either you're either treating it real with respect and use a bit that's only a small part of an entire arsenal of cues, or you're going to force that mule to accept it daily riding a severe bit. That's a lot louder than your legs and feet. Yeah. So I, it's it's one of those things. It, it, it's education. It's, it's having the conversation. You know, is and, and a lot of times you come to find out. Oh, I mean, it's not a bit issue. You know, it's it's there's other things that that this mule is lacking that that people can work on that will help all those other things. Can we talk about reins for a moment? Yeah. Okay. Some people I don't think they realize, but if you're using a cloth rein, a fabric rein, even biothane, okay, um, I just don't think you're getting the adequate communication than if you use a heavier, you know, harness type rein where you can just pick up on the rein and that sends that signal to them. Yeah, I mean, you know, the majority of us, you know, we we, we like tail riding, right? And uh, reins, they need to be safe and they need to be functional. And of course, they need to be comfortable. And the mule that you are riding is very attuned to how you hold and cue with the reins. Um, and for for myself, it, to me, it's all about the quality, right? And, and so, like to your point, the, the heavier the rein is, the easier it'll be for your mule to feel what you're doing with your hands, and the more subtle a signal you can give. When the reins are made from a quality leather, like you're talking about your mule will feel the rain release right away. So in a sense, 
over time, he's going to learn to be more responsive, if, if that makes sense. There you go. Yep, I agree. Right? So if, if you use reins that are made from, you know, lightweight material that, that kind of flop around and, and do that, I don't think the mule feels the rain as well as, as they should, and they may have a tougher time feeling your, your cues. So you could find yourself pulling on the reins more than, than, than what, what is necessary Yeah, there to, you get go. The, to get a response um, that you're looking for. Very well said, Nate. Okay, back to our our list of myths regard you know that revolve around the mule and the donkey. Where would you like to start? <laughs> We've got a whole <laughs> list here. I mean, <laughs> no, we we do. Um, oh goodness, there's so many. What if, there was um, there was one there was a there was a post that came across about a mule. The person was having oh uh, what was it? They were having a hard time. Um, getting their mule to stop pawing. Oh. And some of the responses going down through there were alarming. Yes. Uh, we, we can talk about that if you yeah. want. Yeah, go ahead. I, I That is interesting. So if I remember, this, this was a mule that pawed out in the pasture. Is that the uh, one you're talking about? No, it was, okay. no, it was one that was tied up. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, with that, though, I think I think the hardest thing to teach anyone that works with a mule is to have the right point of view, which is looking at things from your mule's perspective. When a mule is showing um, bad behavior, like pawing when they're tied up, I think they're really trying to tell us something. And I think those behaviors are caused by some sort of anxiety. And our job is to find out what the cause of that anxiety is and fix it before we ask them to do what they were showing they cannot do at the moment. To me, that means if, if I need to go back a few steps in the training, then that's what I need to do. And when you put your mule into a position to where he's forced to get over the behavior he's displaying, I think you really are only addressing the symptom, which in that case is pawing and not the underlying problem which is probably some sort of anxiety. And when we continue to do that, all we're doing is, is shutting that mule down. And if you don't know what a shutdown mule is, send me a message. I'll be happy to tell you what that's all about. Um, but what we tend to do in these situations is, is we, we ignore what that mule is showing and we skip ahead to what we want as an end result. Then we're concerned with the results we do or do not get. A big part of this mule training relies on you being able to read your mule and not putting your wants in front of your mule's needs. And in order for your mule to become the mule you want him to be, you absolutely have to put that needs first. And no amount of force will get you where you should be. Oh, that's so well said. Right. And so the likelihood that the mule hates being tied up usually doesn't have anything to do with being tied up. And what I do in those instances, like I said, is I go back to the beginning with that mule and I go through all the groundwork with him to make sure all that's good. Once I start that process with the mule, a lot of times I'll usually find a few holes <clears throat> excuse me, in that mule that need to be fixed. And so when you take that time to go back and make sure all those things leading up to where you want to be are good, you'll find a lot of those issues get resolved. And, um, you know, I think along with that, I, but there were some things, um, you know, that in that situation, um, up there withhold food and water, put pit chains on his feet, you know, things like that. I think hobbling a mule is, is a very good tool to, to learn. 
for any elk, especially if you're out in the backcountry, um, you do a lot of trail riding, camping, things like that. I, I think that's that's a really good thing to, to learn. Um, to hobble it, to quit, to quit pawing. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of don't agree with that. Right. Um, I definitely would never withhold food and water from an animal. Right. And I wouldn't put and I wouldn't put chickens on it. That works for some people. And uh, you know, I mean, to each their own. I'm not I'm not criticizing, but. From my point of view, the way I train, I don't do those. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it goes back to what I was talking about, you know, even even on the last podcast, is that address your underlying issue first. You know, find out what that is and all the other stuff that you're trying to do. Aside from that, you put a banding on, on a bad behavior. It's going to keep showing up. Very well put. These rascals are a lot smarter <laughs> Than what we give them credit for. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, if, if, if you're not learning it every day from from your school, yeah, I, they they you know when it, when you think you know something, they'll prove you wrong. There you go. <laughs> they, they really will. Um, uh, Nate, I want to thank you for coming on. And um, if someone were to get in touch with you, how would they do that? You know, best way, just uh, either reach out to me on Facebook or um, give me a call. be happy to chat with you. My number is 623-692-8600. I look forward to us talking again uh, because we've got so many uh, things to talk about. So, uh, and give my best to Tara, okay? I will. I appreciate it, yeah. And thank you again. I really appreciate the opportunity. The spirit of the Wild West lives on in my latest book, Desperados of the Wagons West Expedition. I rode with descendants of notorious outlaws, mule skinners, horse thieves, brothel workers, and Texas rangers that gathered at the Embar Ranch in Reserve, New Mexico. And so I documented their story. This is a modern day dime store novel published by Every Cowgirl's Dream. It's captivating and exciting to read. It's available at everycowgirlsdream.com, Amazon Books, and other participating outlets. Giddy up and get your copy today. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or a sponsor, send me an email, cindy, C-I-N-D-Y, at everycowgirlsdream.com. Gotta go. My mule is looking for me. 